Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Might I recommend, now that your young person has walked across that stage, you get them over to Leon Tailoring, get them to their career services division. That's right. In this economy, even though jobs are plentiful, it won't help you if you don't look the part. So at Leon Tailoring Career Services Division, they got the perfect thing that your young man or young lady needs to get them off into the world of work and at very reasonable and affordable prices. And heck, who knows? You might even see something for yourself if you're looking for a new job. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, their career services division, Larry Norm, Kim, and Judy, always glad to help you out. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, pleased to have been able to get through this, uh, uh, through this effort. And uh, a couple of comments, one on the bill we just passed on Senate Bill, on Senate bill 3. Uh, we have uh, been working on this for a while and talked to you folks a little bit about it already, but uh, um, we're happy to be able to provide what we think is very meaningful relief for folks in the form of, uh, uh, one, stopping any uh, increase in the uh, gas sales tax, as well as rolling back to the June 30th, the, uh, the gas excise tax, and so that there's a cap on that, on both of those, and it's not going to go higher now for, for some time. It can go lower if the gas goes lower, and hopefully it does. But uh, So that's some meaningful relief. In addition, the utility sales tax until June of next year will, will roll off. So anybody in the, with regard to their phone bill, their gas bill, uh, propane bill, as we added that in, I believe, this week, uh, water bill, all those will get a savings of about 7% on any bill that they have. So, again, meaningful, meaningful relief every month on about every utility bill they pay. And it's the hope that uh, that will provide some in this inflationary a moment that we're in, some relief for Hoosiers all across the state. And um, um, uh, in, in the same time, we get to be fiscally responsible by continuing to pay down that pre-96 un unfunded liability that we have. It's extremely important to our caucus to be able to do that. So we're continuing to do that and um, um, also add money into the, uh, uh, to, to the capital reserve account. We had some really important projects that we put in the budget in, uh, in 2021, like uh, Senator Brown mentioned a couple days ago uh, from the uh, podium up front, the uh, the uh, uh, deaf and blind school and some renovations that were sorely needed there, a, uh, uh, a state police post down in Evansville along with the lab that will help do additional testing because there's a horrible backlog on testing. All those projects have been on ice for a little while because the, bu the, the budgeted number is, uh, is too low now because of the inflation that we are experiencing. And so those projects are important and we need to get to those. And this is an effort to make sure that that happens. The other thing I'll say, and as I'm excited about, is with regard to Senate Bill Number 2 and the $50 million we'll be able to add to assist uh, uh, mothers and babies as they uh, start out their uh, new life and their new relationship together. Obviously, first in the form of abortion, excuse me, adoption, uh, adoption uh, subsidies or tax credits from $1,000 to 10,000 and then lots of other things with regard to contraception and daycare and the OB navigator program uh, that'll be able to help mothers as they uh, uh, as they are pregnant and as they have babies and to try to figure out how to get through this new life with a new baby uh, in their in their life so uh, we're excited about those things the final thing I will say is I want to uh, give my uh, gratitude to Senator Glick and her quiet but uh, extremely competent uh, demeanor and uh, ability to usher a very, very difficult bill, perhaps the most difficult bill, at least, that I've ever been experienced with in this adoption bill, Senate Bill 1, through the, uh, through the Senate, through this phase of it. So I want to thank her, and uh, she'll have some comments for you. Senator Glick.
basically I'm, I'm glad to see that we've come to this point with the bill. As I said before, this, this bill is a framework. It's an outline. It's going to the House now, and I think they'll, they'll flesh in some of the things that were brought up in the questioning, were brought, in, brought up in the debate. I think it's important we keep our minds open and we keep the ideas flowing. Um, I don't think this is the end result by any means. I think we have a lot of good people over in the House who want to who want to express their opinions and also reach, you know, a result that they feel comfortable with. This was probably the most difficult bill we've seen in a very long time, and it's an issue that's been with us for many, many years, probably 50 years now, and it it won't go away. So we need to keep addressing the issue and some of the nuances that develop over time. So what does it tell you that the bill just barely made it through with its 26 votes? What, is, what does that tell you about this, about this bill and this whole entire abortion debate process? It shows me that everybody is conflicted. Good people can have conflicted opinions of where we're at and what's, what's important in this bill. I don't think anyone on this floor had an easy time with that bill. Clearly, you could see that from their faces. You could see it from their comments. And uh, to say that they didn't take into consideration some of the feelings, some of the opinions that were expressed is just not true. They're trying very hard to reach the right results. And we don't you know, we, we don't disregard the comments that were made from the minority or from the majority, the other members of our caucus that may not agree with us. It's very important to listen and to continue to listen throughout this process. And I know the members of the House will do so as well. So your party's own poll showed that a majority of Hoosiers are happy with the state's current abortion law. So why disregard that poll? We've seen several polls over the last few few months, and that's not the only poll nor the only result that we've seen. I, you know, I think that we seize on ones sometimes that that agree with what the direction we want to go, and then we disregard others. I think there are, are vast differences of opinion, and that goes to the people on the street, the people in this building. We want to reach the right result, and we don't always, you know, it's easy to stampede people in any direction, if you, depending on how you ask the question. And it, when it comes down to it, these issues are very personal, but they're also broad broad enough that, that they affect all of our families and, and everyone in the state of Indiana. So we have to try and get it right. And I'm not saying we're right all the time, but we certainly make the attempt, and we're going to continue with that effort to do the right thing by the people of Indiana. Senator, if the House if the House makes this bill more restrictive, like, for instance, taking out the rape and incest exceptions, can a bill like that get through the Senate? You saw the vote uh, on, um, I think it was Amendment 58, Senator Young's amendment. That did not pass. And uh, had had it been inclined, if the Senate had been inclined to pass, it would have. Uh, I don't anticipate that it will, but that's up to the House. We'll 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 take the bill when it comes back to us, and we'll be in conference committee if it differs substantially. Senator, you talked about how you didn't think that this was a perfect bill. What changes do you specifically want to see to this bill? I want to see what their you know what their ideas are. I I just. I have a deep feeling that we need to do more wraparound services. I think Senate Bill uh, 2 is a start. I think House Bill 1001 is, is another, has a lot of, of good programs in there and has a lot of good efforts. But 
we can't just stand and say that that we need to change this law and tighten up on abortions in Indiana if we're not willing to step forward and help these women and these these people along the way with the difficult decision they're making and with the efforts that they're trying to do. We heard a lot of testimony in in rules committee from people who because of their their inexperience because of their their uh, financial situation if you will they just didn't feel that they could they could afford a child we should never have to have an abortion because we can't afford a child that's, that's where government has the ability if you will to assist and there's so many programs out there we want, need to make sure that people in that position are aware of what's available and we get the services to them to assist them along the way and if they still choose not to have children then we want to make every effort to get those children to families and to individuals who want to take them in and make a family for them. And if that takes, you know, additional expenditures in the area of foster care and those areas, we need to do that and we need to make it available immediately. Senator Glick, you talked about not interfering with the doctor-patient relationship. Talk about what you meant by that and what changes in the bill you'd like to see specifically surrounding that issue. I, I firmly believe that the doctors and the patients should have the right to, to exchange information. I don't want to sit in on those, those interviews. I don't think any of us do, and we don't want to interfere with their ability to make decisions. And I, But I don't want to see anyone pushed or or you know the emphasize being i think they said coerced was one of the terms that was used pushed into either having or not having an abortion i think it has to be an informed decision and it has to be with all the options available and laid out so should there them. be changes in the bill to more explicitly state that issue if we can do it we if we can work that out and i think we've been working along the way and maybe not had as many discussions as we should have with the OBGYNs and and the other practicing physicians, then that that uh, that discuss those discussions have to be expanded. We certainly want them involved in that decision making. We certainly want them to be be able to advise their clients on what options are available. But it we we need to protect everyone in this process. Rod, Rod, Rod question for you. Uh, you guys have dealt with a lot of difficult issues in the past. Right to work, heck, even daylight savings time. But uh, in the 20 years I've been here, I've never seen the the, the the demeanor here just so contentious. What, what do you think happened? Well, it's just a hard issue. And I, I assume, I believe you're talking about the uh, demeanor in the chamber yeah. itself and not the hallway. In the hallway, we have contentious issues all the time, this being maybe the biggest. But I think it just shows the challenge of this issue. It's, uh, it's hard on uh, members of the minority it's, uh, caucus. It's hard on the members of the majority caucus. So we're, we're chafing against one another, as we frequently do. But uh, this has brought people to a point that's a little more raw than most because it's such a challenging issue. Your own, your own party uh, has said, or, or rather Senator Landon uh, was mentioning how there are 84% of this body is male. Do you feel like women's voices have been heard through this entire process? I think they have. Um, I, I don't know how many of that 84% are married, but I can tell you I got a lot of input from husbands who happen to be members of the Indiana Senate who said, my wife said, or my daughter said, or my, you know, whoever people, significant people in their lives who happen to be female as well. And, and so we don't make decisions in a vacuum. 
I can't make decisions, you know, based on a male perspective. But I, if I, it does affect males, I tend to, to look to the, the people in my life who uh, can tell me how a man feels about this or that. But generally, most of these decisions are not female only. And, and we forget there's, there's others involved in this issue as well. So I think we're trying to broaden the decision-making process and not narrow it to the point where no one else has any, you know, anything to say in regard to these, these decisions. We want this to be an informed decision, and we want it to be made, you know, we want to give the person the opportunity to make that decision in a way that, that benefits both her and, and her child. Why not make abortion a question on the November ballot rather than legislating it within the body? Why not ask the people what they want on the ballot in November? If that decision had come down earlier, we've, we've discussed that, to be honest with you. We've discussed it in, in uh, during the course of some of it. wasn't discussed on the floor as much, but but it is very difficult to get some of these, these issues framed up and put on the ballot. I think some counties might even have their ballots already printed because their ballots had to be fixed by I think it was first of late July or first of of August and you're you're going to a tremendous expense and some of them just simply can't afford that to go out and, and redo the ballot to include a, a question a referendum if you will some states have gone to a referendum but it delays it substantially I mean, because it would not come back we, we probably wouldn't be able to do it this fall in November so it would be um, not there's no general election in 2023, so now you're looking at 2024. So now you're putting it off another two or three years before it would actually come before the people. Let me weigh, I want to weigh in on a little bit on that question because it's an interesting one and a good one. But uh, you know, first of all, you'll find me. Generally speaking, it is a representative government that we have, and it's our job to determine. And communicate with our constituents and make and make decisions based upon that. Uh, so I will find. I, I think usually I think the responsibility needs to be with us to make those decisions, and, and we're accountable to our constituents. And they every four years, at least over here in the Senate, they decide whether we we stay or whether we go. Uh, but the other thing is, based, based on the nuance of uh, this issue, I cannot imagine how you would put that successfully on a ballot. You would could you say should abortion be legal? Should it be illegal for the first trimester? Should abortion be legal? legal with the exception of the life of the mother or the life and the health of the mother or the life and health of the mother and rape and incest. And if you say rape and incest or life of the mother, how do you define life of the mother? We've spent hours arguing over and trying to define life of the mother, and you just simply have no ability to put something like that on a ballot. One more. Senator Bray, you were talking about how Sorry. this is such a difficult issue. If it's such a difficult issue, why not wait until... It's not a special session. It's the regular session where you have more time to debate this. Well, so we'll come back in January and we'll have an opportunity to debate, continue to debate this, whether it needs to be changed, tweaked, things of that nature. There is probably more work that needs to be done on this. But uh, I think a lot of people in our caucus feel that it's important because there are lives at risk right now of unborn children. And so it's time to get, get to work on this. So um, that's, that's why we're here. Thanks, Thank guys. you all very much. You're not coming until Wednesday? Does that mean no committee hearing? There's probably going to be a committee hearing Wednesday morning, uh, but not before. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.